Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Good afternoon and welcome back to Storyteller Studio. We are broadcasting from our Edgebrook Shopping Center studio in Rockford, Illinois. I have a guest today that has traveled halfway across the country. You have come in all the way from California just for this episode, and I wish that was the truth so much. It's entirely true. <laughs> that and my mom's 90th birthday. Oh, now, see, that's just sort of a sight. But that was a total, yeah, that was just happenstance. Yeah. So out of the two names that we're supposed to know you by, which one do I introduce you as? <laughs> well, start with the air name, and then we'll go, the rest of the day, we'll just go with a regular name. Okay. So Chris Kelly, which is a different Chris Kelly, by the way. Correct. Than the Chris Kelly was that was on WZOK. That's a different I Chris... didn't even know that one. No, because it's decades of difference. Oh, well, then, then yeah. that's the third Chris Kelly. Oh, no kidding. I'm the second. Wow. Well, the guy who's sitting across from me has already had two and a half hours of radio people. Are you okay, by the way, John? Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit shell-shocked, but I'm I'm still in one piece. Are you okay? It's John Schweisberger, and he is coming from California because of a story that he's about to tell you on how we met. I think I've done more promoting for this episode, which... (laughs) Hasn't even happened yet because the story is so stinking cool to tell on how you even knew about this existing because you were a whole generation of radio before me. You and I never worked together. No, and Mm -hmm. I shouldn't know anything about you. So now all of a sudden we talk, we are connected eight ways to Tuesday. It's crazy. It is unbelievable. Brothers from a different mother. It is. And both of our mothers are still alive, so we should probably get them together and ask that question. And they're both 90. That's right. And they're both in Rockford. (laughs) So you see how this could happen. Never know. So just to give you guys an idea in the audience, we ended up uh, setting this up maybe about a month and a half ago when he said he was coming back to visit family. I said, well, you know, if you want me to, you tell me who you want to get together and we'll get together and have some Swedish pancakes at the Stockholm Inn. And we'll tell a bunch of radio story lies, and then we'll come here and filter it out and, and, and tell, tell the <laughs> tell half more lies. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> uh, on the episode. So the people that were sitting around the table not too awful long ago for a two-and-a-half-hour lunch were John Strandon, Fred Spear, Chuck Doyle, John, myself, Gary Noel, and the surprise guy who came in from Tulsa, Oklahoma— Steve Noel. Mm-hmm. And the only two people that knew that Steve was going to show up is his dad, Gary, and me. You had a connection with Steve because you were sort of same age. Oh, and yeah. You did yeah. a lot of promo stuff together and stuff like that, too. Absolutely. He was on the air right after me. Yeah. 
So see, Only he was Jay Robbins then. He was Jay Robbins. Except I kept calling him Steve on the air when we do our handoffs. <laughs> yeah, Steve's up. Jay's coming next. <laughs> Did you ever hear the reason how he ended up with Jay Robbins? I think it was just like a leftover jingle or something, right? It was. Yeah. It was exactly that. And Kipper McGee, when he was in here, he says, well, you know, a lot of people get their radio name that way, depending on their first big rig at a radio station, because they've got, let's say, I'm going to simplify this, but let's say it's John Smith and Jack Jones. So they will combine those two and re-edit a jingle and turn it into John Jones or whatever. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And now all of a sudden, well, we don't have to pay for another jingle, so that's your name. Cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like flipping through the phone book and yeah, just pretty much. pointing. Yeah. yeah. So tell everybody how you got connected with me because it is the best story ever, and it's really bizarre. Well, I don't know that I would rate it as the best story ever, but... Well, it is for me, because well, okay. I was on the receiver. For you, you yeah. were the receiver. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> wind back a couple of months, um, I was not feeling well one Sunday, so I lay down and took a nap for like three hours in the afternoon, and I knew I was in trouble, because that meant I was not going to fall asleep at night, and sure enough, I laid there, tossed and turned for an hour, I'm like, ah, I just got to get up and... I'll just go upstairs and surf for a while and go down whatever rabbit hole I go down, and that'll hopefully tire me out. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, just for kicks and giggles, I will go look up old radio stuff. Just whatever. You know, it's been 40 years since I've been in the industry, but it's fun to kind of go back in time. It is. It's bubble gum. It is. It, it is. Really yeah. is. And so I, uh, I, somehow or another, I, I was probably Googling something on WROK, and up pops this podcast series. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Because I didn't know Tim Larson. You, no. you you got there a couple of years after I left. You'd done probably, I don't know, 35, 38 episodes at that point. And I start scrolling through. And yeah, most of them are people that were after me. I don't know them. But oh, look, John Strandon. John and I were buds. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I tell you what, on the way to work tomorrow... I need something to keep me awake because I'm not going to get much sleep. And so I'll listen to uh, I'll listen to the interview with John Strandon. And so I'm driving up PCH in Los Angeles, going right through Redondo Beach. And you pass, John, this roster of the employees of the radio station from about, what, 1975 or so? I remember it well. And John looks at it, and he's just like, wow, yeah, I remember these things. Jan used to put these together, and blah, 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 blah. John Sweisberger, wow. I nearly drove off the road. That's I the mean, one name he pulled out the of only name. 50 people. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, Holy cow. And he had a good story to tell about it, too. I was just amazed that yeah. that was what he pulled off of. He has Mark Larson. He's got John Larson. He's got, you know, all these people. And he pulls my name off of the list. I'm like, good Lord. And in 1975, I was still in high school. I was just doing whatever they'd let me do at right. that point. It was meant to be. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, I got to reach out to John. I don't have any way to find John's phone number because it's really hard to get a phone number off the internet these oh, days. I got a lot of phone numbers and none of them were for him. I know. I and, know. and so, uh, and I'm not a Facebook guy. So I had my wife who oh. is on Facebook said, send him a Facebook message. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's not religiously on that. So it was 
probably a week before he responded to that. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I was coming here. Like the next day, I was coming here to visit my mom. So I thought, hmm, let me see if I can figure out how to get a hold of this Tim Larson guy. Again, probably with less luck than you had with Stranded. Oh, I got uh, this number's not in service. This number's not in service. Hi, I'm trying to reach Tim Larson. Who? Uh, that never done work. Yeah. Well, and I, you're also talking about Rockford, where half the people are Swedish yeah, anyway. Yes, so it's yes. either Anderson or Larson anyway. Correct. Yeah, correct. So doubly hard. Right. At least Strandon's a unique name. Yeah. I keep surfing about, and I figure out, oh, well, your your given name is not Larson. Mm-hmm. And I track down your wife's phone number here at Edgebrook Mm -hmm. and leave her a voicemail that this is going to be really, really weird, (laughs) like really weird, but here's the story. And I'm trying to, I'd love to connect with John Strandon and you ended up being getting in touch with him before John actually responded. And uh, you called me up like, I don't know, few days later after I'd already gone back to LA. Yeah, because we were moving our son out to Golden, Colorado. You were gone that week. Yeah, so that's why Sandy didn't necessarily pick up the answering machine, the voicemail. They're called voicemails these days. (laughs) And that's part of editing. Yes. But anyway, uh, so that was the delay on that one. And, you know, it was one of those um, two cats in a room where I'm going, I don't know who you are. And John goes, well, you don't know who I am, but... And then all of a sudden... We start connecting all this WROK stuff, and I bet we were on the phone for an hour the first time. We were, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're saying, gee, you got any memorabilia? Oh, do I have memorabilia. (laughs) You are not going to believe what's coming your way, pal. Yeah, yeah. So I told him, I says, hey, if you send it to me, I'll print it and I'll hang it up. Oh, God, you must have sent me 30 different things easily. I think it was 50. Yeah, Yeah, easily. And uh, they're all on display here at the Storyteller Studio. And people love them. And, of course, they're saying, my God, I thought you were a pack rat. And I go, well, (laughs) you know, John's a contender, (laughs) if not the king now, because you brought stuff today. I did. Well, no, finish the story, first of all. Well, that's sort of it. It, Well, I mean, from there, I was like, you need to come on our podcast. I'm like, okay, well, next time I'm in town, sure. Yeah, and that's what we did, and yeah. and uh, we ended up getting together with some buddies. and, and Yeah, which was going from amazing. There. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely I'm, amazing. I'm glad you like that, yeah. yeah. There was virtually no dead air, was there? <laughs> no, there was actually a lot of stepped-on records in the course of all of that. <laughs> there were stories being told on top of stories. <laughs> and it was nice because you had Fred and John from the newsroom. You had Gary from the sales room. Right. You, you had different generations. And the four of us from, from the on-air staff. Everything was covered. Yeah, so it, was, it was fun. It was really cool. We were telling stories from the 60s to the nows. So. Yeah, yeah. So this little thing here. That is one flimsy t-shirt. Most definitely no longer fits. No. There you, you go. I don't even think you even know what size it is anymore. You can't the, tell. No, the, there's... There's tags too worn. It's probably an extra small judging because I I have not gotten larger. So certainly the T-shirt got smaller. And this is what I call the sparkly logo, the sexy logo of WZOK. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'll I'll put it on our website and show people. It's a little worn and torn. Oh, yeah. It got worn a lot. But boy, I'll tell you, that gives it the personality. So we can keep this here? You may. It does not fit me any longer. (laughs) It is is all yours. That's going to go really well you know another guy that has donated a lot of shirts and you know you get in that mood 
where you're going to start purging things or at least consider purging things. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Marks, who's up in Madison, him and I have been friends for years and years and years since college and worked together at WROK. He goes, I, I got a box of stuff for you. And I'm going, oh, God, you know, sometimes when people say that, it could be a little bitty cigar box or it could be a moving box. Right. And I've had and, both. And, and who knows what yeah. stuff is and in I, there. Yes, that's true. And I've had both. I think he donated like 12 different T-shirts from over the decades. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they don't fit anymore and they're very thin. But they're cool logos and they bring back really, really cool memories. Yeah. So thank you for this. You that's, are that's, most welcome. I'll put that on the FM side. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Because so. I never worked on the FM. Well, I take that back. I actually did work on the FM when it was WROK FM. No way. I did not work on WZOK. What year would that have been? 1974. No way. Mm-hmm. What did you do? I babysat the automation. Oh, my. I would change the tapes because there were six big tape machines on those racks. Yeah. And um, I would do the programming for various things that I needed to get done on a punch tape. Did you ever see that? I vaguely remember it that. Was, it was it was like a ticker tape, and it was just had holes, and you you would work this keyboard, and it would punch these holes that would give the automation commands. And the automation took up an entire long hallway. It was, it was the bullpen. It was like yeah. six racks wide. It was just this huge thing. It was insane. Yeah. And it almost worked like a player piano would. Yeah. You know, as yeah. it found the hole, it would trigger another element, mm-hmm. and you would have to probably drop in weather carts and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah okay. and it had carts in this vertical carousel. Yeah, I remember. And it would that. spin that thing around and find the right one and pull it into the slot in the cart machine that was behind it. And wow. Yeah, so that was my first job at WROK. Okay. Uh, I was 15 years old at the time, <laughs> and uh, it was my second radio station. Really. Well, look at you. Yeah, I was a I was a seasoned pro. <laughs> <laughs> so my first radio station, um, little remembered, and for very good reason, WKWL, which had a Belvedere license, but was a beautiful music station, uh, like wh- whatever the frequency WYBR went on to one hundred four nine or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and what were the call letters again? WKWL. WKWL. Wow. Yeah. Nobody remembers it. No. Until I tell them the rest of the story, Paul oh, Harvey. Thank you, Paul. That's right. But you didn't pause. That's no, the problem. Until I tell them the rest of the story. <laughs> um, so, WKWL was this radio station that a guy named Keith Walker owned. Okay. He put the studio and the transmitter down on Bell School Road between Guilford Road and State Street. Oh, sure. Yeah. And. I lived on Bell School Road just north of Guilford Road. So I pedaled my bike down there one day. I'm like, hey, cool. Look at this, a radio station. Because I had just started a radio station at Guilford High School, WGVR. Wow. And so I went down there and I said, hey, I'm interested in having a job. And they said, fine, but you need to have a third class FCC license. Here it is. But it needs to be endorsed. Here it is. No way. Did you drive to Chicago like I did to get that done? Well, I had my buddy from the high school station, and I neither one of us could drive yet, so his brother drove us down to Dearborn Street and the FCC, and we felt like we were big time. We're in the loop on a business day. That's right. Amazing. That's it. 
And so I, they gave me a job doing s- Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon playing this beautiful music stuff. And now I didn't know. It was all Monavani and, you know, just yeah. awful stuff. And I didn't know any of it. So I would go through all these albums until I found, you know, the Percy Faith Orchestra plays Norwegian Wood. And I'd be playing Beatles songs and, you know, not not much Deep Purple in there, but, you know, just stuff that I like. Okay, I can at least listen to this a little bit. I know the words. There's a lot of lavender. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, And, uh, and oh, so I, I did God. that for three weeks. Uh-oh. Only three weeks. Three weeks. What happened? Keith Walker arsoned his radio station and burned it to the ground. You are kidding me. And with it went my third class endorsed FCC license. I'm like, dude, I just got that. No. He burned down the radio station. It went dark until YBR went into Cherryvale Mall several years later. Good God. Yeah. I don't know that story at all. Yeah, well, because the station was only on the air maybe two years before he torched it. Wow. I guess he wanted out. I, he, Nobody wanted to buy it. Well, so. yeah, lots of people just go, hey, I'm going to leave, as opposed to burn your radio station down. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you remember WLUV yeah. and, and Joe Salvi? Yeah. I won't recant that whole story with me and the reoccurrence, but he told his girlfriend, because there were no wives, there were no children, from 1963 to 2020 or 21. He owned it that whole time? He did. Oh, my God. He did. WLUV, AM and FM, went on the air Valentine's Day, 1963. That's how much he thought that through. Uh-huh. And he Perfect. told... he did It is. And he told the girlfriend, because he was 98 years old, he says, when I die, um, shut off the lights and shut the door. Well, you can't do that with a radio station. You can do that if you own a shoe store. <laughs> And then that's where all the other dominoes fell yeah. with, you know, us getting back together, which was fantastic because I hadn't worked with Chuck Doyle since we were 16 years old. Yeah, there, yeah. there, but then we worked together at ROK and ZOK. Let me go back just a little hair. When you said that you went into Dearborn in Chicago with the, uh, uh, another person that had to drive you and a friend, was that other friend Jack Lambiot? No, that other so, friend was Bob Butler. Okay, and so he, w- where does Jack Lambiot come into the Guilford radio station thing? So Bob and I and uh, another guy named Dave Kruger decided when we were freshmen to start a radio club. Oh. And I, was, I had been playing around with radio uh, at that point just you know my parents had got me a cassette recorder for for christmas one year and so i got like two record players side by side and yeah and the little cassette mic that's about three inches long and i taped it to a to a you know a boom and i would swing it back and forth between the records and talk as i went oh, <laughs> you know? and it was, wow. it was practicing radio because wyfe am because mm-hmm. uh, the fm didn't yet exist had been built across the fields from my house out there on Bell School Road on what is now Reed Farm Road. It was right next to where the Aldine Practice Facility is right now. Yes. Yeah, that was that back then that was all fields. I remember. In the early 70s. Yeah, and the and, golf course was a dairy farm. Yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And it was the Reed Farm. Reed Farm Road was a dirt road and my 
one of my other high school buddies and I used to race motorcycles up and down that dirt road, which was a problem when you get to the barbed wire fence at the end, <laughs> which was right at neck height. <laughs> but, oops. Oops. Yeah. Well, he, he dumped it once or twice on that. <laughs> but anyway, so one day I rode my bike. I was, let's see, it was it been summer of 1972. So I was 13 years old Okay. and I rode my bike over there and like, what is this? Oh, it's WIFE. Interesting. And I wandered around the back. And it just happened to be the studio was in the back, and I just, like, put my face up against the window, and the guy said, come on in, kid. And it was a great guy named Lou Roberts who went on to Milwaukee and was um, on the air in Milwaukee for a long time. They were doing Top 40 at the time, um, going up against ROK, and uh, let me watch how he did it. And so that's what I started imitating. But look what that turned into. And I wish that radio stations... Or, on the other side, I wish that kids would put their face up against the window, yeah. and I wish those people would say, hey, kid, come on in. Yeah, except nobody's on the air in the no, radio station. No, it doesn't exist anymore. That interaction doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And so how are we going to launch the next generation of these people if... Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, back when a dirt was young, us, us old people remember the good old days. We uh, do. We do, damn it. That's right. So so anyway, I get to high school and these guys say, hey, we're gonna start a radio club. I'm like, cool, because I'm interested in that. I've been playing with that. And so so what inspired them to even do that? Were they doing the same thing? I don't know. I, I, you know, I never I mean, asked them why, but so the three of us got together and, and decided we're going to start a radio station here at the high school, wow. and we named it WGVR for Guilford Viking Radio. We went to WROK and got two turntables, the giant three-foot-high <laughs> yes. floor models that weighed five tons, and, we're trying, yes. and, and we procured a room. Now... I want you to imagine the best possible place in a high school to locate a radio studio. Well, if it's any indication as to what I did at Auburn, it would have been a janitorial closet that was half full of toilet paper pallets. No, we put it in the back of the library. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There were these two little conference rooms in the back of the library, and somehow we got them to let us use those. How? If you've got speakers and rock and roll, how did all that work? Great for us. <laughs> I don't know how well it worked for the librarian, but because our our deal was next to the cafeteria, yeah. So we had nobody to compete with, right? Wow, good for you yeah. for talking somebody into that. I don't know, and but they really didn't like it when we were doing album giveaways because people would come, you know, oh, racing yeah. back through the library yeah. to get to the back. Wow, and we we had uh, we had my my girlfriend at the time who painted the the window of this of the conference room so that people couldn't look in at us with this wgvr logo that we invented and all that and wow and uh so we ended up making this radio station for several years eventually um we're given the old control room board from wrok as well we had cart machines and turntables and a fully functioning you know 10 pot board and the whole bit. And uh, we had um, record service from AM. Did you really? Yeah, we talked them into that. Did you? <laughs> so did, we did played you, a lot of sticks. Did you? As you should <laughs> as have. As we should have. Yeah. Did you ever sell advertisement? Yeah. Good story about that. 
I listened uh, a week or two ago to your Bob Pressman, Mr. Baseball interview. Okay. I sold advertising to Marianne Sterrett. You did not. I most certainly did. I knew Marianne before I knew Bob. Come on. Yes. What was the client? Uh, Wiseys, then Bergner Wiseys, but yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We would have the album of the week. We could go in there and pick three albums and we would advertise one of those. I would do commercials. I'd go into the production room at WROK and do commercials. Wow. On the, you know, the 60 second spot on the ad, uh, the album of the week. And if you went in to YZ's to the record shop and you said you were from Guilford High School and you heard about this on WGVR, you could get the album for $2. Excellent. And so we did that for like a couple of years. That was how we were building out our current album collection. That's the way it should work. Because if it wasn't A&M, we weren't getting service. We weren't getting Electra. <laughs> we weren't getting Warner. We weren't getting Columbia. It's like, okay. I didn't have a service. I didn't even think of that. I went down to the record store at Mulberry and Wyman. It's a block north of what is now the New American Theater, or the Nordloff Theater area. Okay. And the only reason I went there is because they would let you play the record, and I wanted to play the B-side to see if I'm getting my 99 cents worth. <laughs> That's right. Seriously. And they allowed you to do that. And so I bought all the records that we had. But I remember the first advertiser that I sold to was Jerry's Restaurant. Jerry's. Oh, the hamburger place. Yep. Yes. Yep. And it was a cold call. They didn't know me from Adam. I went to the West State Street store, believe it or not, because uh-huh. I grew up on the West Side, obviously, right. going to Auburn. They said, sure, come back tomorrow, and we'll have the uh, the radio advertisement for you. So I went back the next day, and they gave me a reel-to-reel, like a five-inch reel-to-reel. And I'm thinking, what the hell what am I going to do, do with this? this? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with this? So you know what I did is I went over to WROK, because we got our equipment from ROK, too. It was like an old production room equipment mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And Nick Scott was the guy that came to the front. Yep. He said, oh, we can, we can take care of this right away. We had cart machines, but we didn't have reel-to-reel machines. Think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says, oh, we can take care of that. He goes, hey, while Mark Larson is dubbing this off on a cart for you, let me show you around. Oh, my God. And Nick Scott showed me the automation system and the newsroom and all that stuff. Yeah. And fast forward, I don't know if I've told this story on Storytellers or not, but forgive me if it's a repeat. Years later, when we decided to go into Chicago and see all the bells and the whistles and the buttons and the lights of what the big boys were doing, Mm -hmm. we went to WMAQ and WKQX and the Merchandise Mart. NBC owned and operated at the time. Yep. Who was the guy that the receptionist said, hey, Tim and Mary are here. Can you come up and show them around? Nick Scott. Nick was in there. At WKQX, Q101. Yeah. Yes. I never knew he went to Q101. And when he showed me around and it was done with the tour, we were going to sit in this room and watch this guy do his show for a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. And then we did the same thing on WMAQ. Who was the guy that he sat us in the studio and left us? You know, you just sort of sit in the corner and look. Yeah. Art Roberts. No way. Swear to God. And of course, I'm I'm 19 years old. I have no clue who he is. No, and this is Art Roberts of WLS and Uh the first guy to interview the Beatles. Yes. You know, come on. Yeah. And I had no clue. And he was so generous with his time and cordial with whatever stupid-ass question we (laughs) asked. And he was just more than nice to us. 
And he had no reason to be. We were just two snotty-nosed kids that wanted to see the big microphones and the big equipment. Mm -hmm. I have a nearly (laughs) identical story. Do you really? Only instead of it being Q101, it was Super CFL. Oh, my. Yeah. Now, Now, let me tell you, too... Are you aware of Rewound Radio? Yes. You are. You told me about it. Okay. In that first hour we spent together. Okay, okay. Because so, <laughs> so, I listened to some of that. So here we yeah. are in, in mid-August right now, and coming up, I just talked to Ted Smucker uh, just maybe two days ago, and they are going to do, again, a WLS versus WCFL this Labor Day weekend oh, coming up. good. And it's new files that are added to that 60 hours that they originally had. Oh, my God. So if you heard it last time, it's there's still going to be portions that are new. Yeah. And they're going to do a Dick Biani tribute because we lost Dick this year. Oh, did he die? Yeah. And 92 years old, I think yeah, he was. Yeah, he has to be. Yeah. And uh, uh, Pam Police, good friend of mine, is coming out with a documentary about um, Dick Biani. So it all sort of ties in. So you're going to probably hear more Dick Biani than you did last year. Mm-hmm. But still, he's doing it again. He's got more people on board. It's wonderful. Oh, so again, for the audience, uh, go to rewoundradio.com or honestly, just ask your smart device, your smart speaker, and it will play it. And it's Labor Day weekend. So anyway, oh, w- that'll be fun. WCFL's parallel. Yeah, up and they were in the um, the Marina City, mm-hmm. the round buildings there yes. on the river. Yeah. And uh, we went in there. It might have been the day we went down to go get our licenses. I don't remember. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, we sat in there with Bob Dearborn uh, doing, doing middays on Super CFL. And Whoa. Like pretty cool. And then. The end of his shift, we walked out with him because Larry Lujak was coming in. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Larry Lujak. <laughs> you know, 15-year-old starry-eyed kids. So That's it. When we went to WMAQ and, and Q101, we also went to WLS. Mm-hmm. And I had called ahead of time and made appointments. You know, I wasn't just going to bust in on the people. Right. And I think the music director at WLS at the time was Mike Smith, I think. We walk in the Stone Container Building. And the security guy says, well, can I help you? I says, yeah, we need to go up to WLS. We have an appointment with Mike Smith. We're 19 years old. And he looks at me and he goes, are you sure you got the right building? And I says, oh, I'm pretty sure we got the Bart building. He looks at his list. He goes, oh, sure enough, here you are. So we get in and go up to the elevator. And who gets in the elevator with us a couple floors up was Paul Harvey. No way. Yes. Paul says, well, what are you guys doing in this building? Says we're going up to meet with Mike Smith at WLS. He goes, "Can I give you some advice?" And of course, we're going, "Yeah, sure." You know, <laughs> and he says, "No matter what they tell you, no matter who tells you, or no matter what they tell you, do not give up ever." And then it was his floor, mm-hmm. and he stepped out of the elevator, and he held the door, and he says, "Good day." Good day. <laughs> you better leave with a good day. Yeah, that's right. And when we and went, now we know the rest. Yeah, we of the do story. know the rest of the story. <laughs> And when we went up to WLS, the guy that was on the air, because, you know, it was mm-hmm. the whole big Studio window. Away. Yeah, right there was Tommy Edwards, because it was midday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those memories just stick with you. I've got no picture evidence of 90% of it. Some, right. Some I do. Like, I've got a picture of Art Roberts mm-hmm. that we took and the WMAQ people. But it sticks with you so hard, and that's what keeps you going in this crazy ass industry yeah oh it absolutely does. yeah it does. i did the same thing at wls a couple of times i hung out with jeff davis one one time late oh. at night and uh when geronimo was working there oh, geronimo and i were friends 
So uh, I was back in Chicago in grad school, and and I said, hey, I'm going to be downtown. Can I come up? He said, sure, come on up. And we spent like two hours of his shift up there. And I'm like, this is a Bailey. <laughs> now, uh, I, and I don't remember what I told you because I think we talked probably in April or May, somewhere in that yeah, area something like that. in the original time. But Jeff Davis does our intro and exit for the Storyteller Studio. Playing rock and roll by the river at WLS. I'm like, oh my God, it you still have, sounds perfect. Yeah, you have to have that. that WLS. Yeah, that fantastic <laughs> pause. And then, now that we've expanded the Storyteller Studio to not just radio people, you know, we've had songwriters and filmmakers and manufacturers and stuff like that in, Jeff's uh, intro is not as pertinent because he talks mm. about WROK's 100th anniversary and so on and so forth. So... There's a, a guy that I know way back in my WLUV, WYFE, 16, 17-year-old days that we've reconnected again. He's in Columbia, South Carolina. His name is Tony Clyburn. He's been there on 93.1 The Lake for 30 years, I think, and does afternoon drive. So now he does the alternative intro and exit for us for for the non-radio podcast shows. Oh, yeah. very nice. So I try to sort of keep it in the family. You yeah, know what I'm saying? as it should be. Yeah, as it should be. That's right. You worked at WROK when I was in high school. Weren't you like 74 through 78? 74 to 79. Okay. Yeah, in about like four different incarnations, but yes. Okay. So you were working with people that I used to emulate on the radio because here are some names. Mel Young and Dave Hamilton, and Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. and Jack Randall. I mean, I'm going right down the lineup, and Afternoons was Mark Larson, mm-hmm. and Shotgun Mark Rivers, mm-hmm. and Don Geronimo. And Bobby B. And then Bobby B. Soder before you got back to the morning show again. Yep. I mean, my God, they won International Radio Station of the Year, didn't they? Do you know who got to announce that on the air? Would that be you? That would be me. Really? Mm-hmm. How did all that happen? I think the award ceremony was on a Saturday in, like, Toronto or someplace. Oh, I don't know, but Dave Hamilton, Carl, uh, he was there, and you know, the hotline rings, you answer it. And I was working the Saturday night shift. This was summer of '77, and I was home from college after my freshman year of college, and um, was just doing weekend stuff, and you know, playing the Sunday morning tapes and whatever, just to Mm -hmm. have some income and stay connected to the station, and. Hotline rings and it's Carl going, Hey, guess what? <laughs> we won. I said, Won what? <laughs> I didn't even know he was there. And so you didn't get the memo. <laughs> apparently not. But I, I'm the one that wrote the memo to the station. Oh. I still have that memo. I, Do you still? Yeah, I have it. I That's came across it in all my pack ratting stuff. I'm like, Here's this little memo that I wrote that uh, announced to the station what. What C. David Hamilton had to say. So yeah, I got to announce it on the air that um, I had just gotten the uh, the word from our program director, and we've been named the best radio station in the world. Yes, by none other than Billboard magazine. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, you get these people who say, "Oh, we're the best coffee place in the world. We have the best pizza in the world." And you know, it's all bullshit. Yes, but this, <laughs> this no, this was legit. This was it. Yeah. As well as. Program director of the year in a market under a million and top 40 radio station of the year in a market under a million. We got all three of those off of that. You know, not only did he have the talent, I mean, I just ran off the list. Yeah. But the programming brilliance of that guy was insane. 
Yes. And there was no such thing as let's do a promotion because it's ratings period. No. The promos were 24-7 and 12 months out of the year because that's his DNA. Grab that um, black folder that's over there behind you. In the back of that is a list of promotions. Oh. This is part of the advertising thing. WROK's 1975 promotions. Okay. January, album giveaway. February, phrase that pays. Valentine getaway giveaway. Two-minute shopping spree at Disc Records. March, ski trips to Wisconsin. <laughs> April, books, book, seer, uh, book season, right? Yep. Cash call, beach towel and t-shirt giveaway. Jeans and boogie patch ripoffs. Assorted radio ripoffs. Walkathon for CP. Raised over $80,000. That's all April. May, WROK and Mr. Pibb promotion. The boogie bus to the Bachman-Turner Overdrive concert. That was awesome. Wow. I went on that. Was uh, that Alpine Valley? No, it was in Milwaukee at whatever the Bucks Arena was back then. I don't remember oh, where okay. they played, but it was in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. And we took uh, a bus full of listeners off to Milwaukee for BTO, and that was a Monday night, as I recall. That makes it, it tougher. It, it was, but it was really tough on me because I had to work all night Sunday night. I would work from 6 p.m. Sunday night to 5 a.m. Monday morning. What? Yeah, I worked an 11-hour shift. This is not your typical. This was because of this? No, Sunday nights, that was what I did. I worked an 11-hour oh. shift. Oh, my God. And then I would go home, grab my stuff, and go off to high school because I was a senior in high school, and I was in school all day, and then <laughs> had to get to the station to take the boogie bus to the BTO concert. <laughs> when we got back to the station, it was like one o'clock in the morning, Tuesday morning. Now I've been up since Sunday morning at about eight. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was pretty tired. I remember this concert. I vaguely remember the drive back. <laughs> do, you, do you think anybody was with BTO? Do you remember if there was an I'm opening? sure there was an opening act. I okay. couldn't tell you who though. Okay, just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just curious. Uh, if I find some tapes, I might be able to figure it out. Okay. Um, so I'm only through May, and we got another, like, 20 Pinball Tommy promotion, Best Legs 75, Chicago and the Beach Boys concert, Rolling Stones concert with Wisey's Love Bug, Doobie Brothers concert, Bikeathon for Cancer, uh, JC's Haunted House and T-shirt giveaway, and the ever-present Stick It and Win promotion. <laughs> Over $5,000 worth of prizes to be given away, including a car. Well, cars weren't very expensive back then. Apparently. No, they weren't. <laughs> but, no, they but weren't. We had so many stick it and win promotions through the years. It was it was insane. Wow. I do have the stick it and win bumper sticker. Remember it was Which red, one? There red, was a bunch of them. Well, the one that I remember the most was red and white. The red and white with the sort of um, bubbly yes. logo? Yes. yes that's yes. exactly it. That's yeah. what I remember the most. I had to drive around Rockford looking for those. In the WROK city car. Do you know what the city car was? I remember that. Wasn't it tan? This, uh, was I was little... thinking it was yellow, but probably in that. It was beigey something or other. Yeah. The WROK city car was an electric car in 1975. Very boxy, wasn't it? It was it was a box <laughs> with a slanted front end. It was, yeah. It's, it's a little like a smart car. Yeah. You know, about the same size. I think I think on one of these music surveys, Mark There's Larson. There's pictures of them. Yeah, Mark Larson was in that. We were picking it up. Oh, we're yeah. oh yeah. It was Mark, oh. Mark, and Carl and somebody, and I took that picture because I was a photographer wow. for, for our yearbook as well. Wow, I, I took that picture. 
And uh, I had to drive around in this thing and find people with bumper stickers, and then I'd slide in behind them, and I'd have the little uh, two-way radio, and at the next break, uh, if I was still behind them, they'd cut to me, and I'd say, I'm trailing a 1974 AMC Rabbit, or whatever. No, it's a VW Rabbit. AMC Gremlin. Gremlin. <laughs> it's got a WROK bumper sticker in the license plate, blah, 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 blah. You've got 30 seconds to pull over, and you can win a prize. Oh. And they'd go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they'd yeah. pull over, and, you know, you'd fan out the envelopes and they get two bucks on a lottery ticket or something. <laughs> but, I, I so remember this. But the here's where the Crazy. problem was. Wow. The battery on this thing was oh, no. really bad in the wintertime. Well, of course. And one cold February day, I'm driving this thing around and I'm trying to get back to the station. <laughs> and I, I've been going up um, uh, the second street. And, North Second Street. Yeah, North Second, and and I cut off onto onto um, Spring Creek, and I'm going up Parkview. I'm going slower oh, and no. slower and oh, slower no. until I stopped. Oh <laughs> no! It's so I had to, and I've got just enough juice in the radio to be able to two way back to the station. So, can somebody come get me? So they, so they had to tow it. Right? So the city car, this nice emblazoned WROK logo all over it is stuck on the side of the road getting advertising uh, impressions. <laughs> hey, wasn't uh, Steve Knowles sort of your right-hand man with a lot of those promotions and being out on the street? He Where, was, yeah. yeah. He and I did a lot of that stuff together. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he was a year behind me. He was at Boyle and I was at Guilford. And um, he ended up uh, you know, following me, I think, when I kind of started moving off of the off-air you know, managing the stuff that somebody mm-hmm. had to manage to more doing some on-air stuff. He kind of took over some of that stuff. Plus, when I went away to college, he was still around, still in high school. So I think he became the heir apparent, so to speak. Yeah, sort of a, the utility guy is what we call him. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't matter what you want. That person has paid attention to everything and can do and step in wherever you need done. Right. Yeah, boy, that was it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing was that we connected, which is just this is so stinking weird is the Mel Young, who was a long drink of water. He was a very tall man. Yeah. And you guys had a basketball team back then. The WROK Superstars. That's it. And I was president of student council at that time, and we were doing some kind of a fundraiser of some sort. I'm not really sure what it was for. I'm sure if I look at the brochure out here, it would tell me. And the picture that was taken was Ken Barnes, who was our you know, tallest and most fantastic uh, basketball player because he was a PE to one of the PE teachers and Mel Young uh, holding the basketball in between. And man, was that a fun night. Yeah. And what year would this have been? Probably 77 or 78, probably 78, I'm guessing. Yeah. And of course, our teachers just got their asses whipped. Well, we always had some ringers. <laughs> yeah, I sort of understood that after today's lunch. I'm going, I don't remember that Who name. Are these guys? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it was a friend of a friend or it was a client. Yeah. In some, in cases. some cases, it was yeah. a client. Yeah. And and you recruit who you needed to recruit. But my God, when you guys, when you and Gary especially were talking about uh, the baseball team, you guys played like 40 games a year. Oh, yeah. We were constantly playing. It's crazy. Yeah. 
But again, you know, that was sort of your social thing too, you know. Oh, yeah. And who's to say, you know, after the game, you didn't go to a client, which happened to be a bar, which happened to serve beer. I mean, you huh. never know. Huh. You never know. You mean maybe one like called, say, Maggie's Pub? Well, that might be, be a possibility. Possibly? Yeah, possibly. And getting up on stage for the closing number <laughs> in our uniforms, <laughs> including our, you know, nice, tight, white baseball Knickers. Oh God! Um, and and uh, <laughs> our job was to sing the chorus on the final song of the night because mm. the band was always the same during the week. A band called Jam Track, like their house band type thing. Yeah, really. And their closing number was Disco Inferno. So, oh, we would get up on stage and dance around and sing "Burn, Baby, Burn." Oh my, that's crazy. Yeah. Do you remember when Chuck Doyle and Chuck Diamond used to do the remotes from Maggie's Pub? They would play... The Sunday Night Disco? Yes. Oh, I did that a bunch of times. They played the music, and somebody yeah. was running the board, and they say it's a dynamic duo. And there were many times that Chuck went into that bar, and of course, he was underage, but he was working, quote-unquote. Yeah. yeah. And they were actually playing the live music that they were generating from that bar. Yeah, we had all of the disco songs and we had them on cart we had a cart machine there and we just Did you? popped the carts in yeah i didn't know that yeah and we had lights we had to manually operate the floodlights we had the the white one the red one the green one and the blue one and the strobe and you had five buttons on this little thing and you'd sit there and 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 oh. you know try to keep the beat with the lights and and wow. make, make things happen and you know on certain parts you'd hit strobe every time wow <laughs> but yeah it was all the sunday night party at maggie's pub i had no idea that that went back as far as you working there though yeah and the, we started that and then thinking spring or summer 79 um, and I was there through like November of 79 is when I left. But yeah, I did that a bunch of times. One of the great superstars games, because I only did the basketball while I was here in, in high school. Um, then I went off basketball season. I was at college. Mm -hmm. So that's when I would be uh, only doing the softball in the summertime. But I did that all along. But uh, when I was still in high school, we had a, a WROK superstars versus the Harlem Globetrotters at Boylan High School. How did you pull that off? I have no idea, but I was oh. not going to miss it. <laughs> My God. And this was the, you know, the Meadowlark Lemon, Curly Neal, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Harlem Globetrotters, the the originals. It was a blast, you I, know. I, and you were, we were just stooges for him. And, well, you know, of course. But, yeah, yeah. but it was great fun. Congrats for being able to pull off that one. That's quite the yeah. coup. Don't congratulate me. I just showed up and played. Because <laughs> okay. I, I, was, I was like, I'm still in high school. I can actually get up and down the floor and not like these sales guys. <laughs> you know, I just posted maybe about a week ago a photograph that I found of Curly Neal and Meadowlark Lemon. Uh-huh. You know, Sandy asked me, she goes, why are you saving that picture? Because lots of times, you know, I tuck it away and I'm not really sure how I'm going to use it, but I just sort of tuck it away. There's stories there somewhere. I just need to give myself a little bit of time to remember them. And there's a picture out here with myself and Jerry Heckler uh -huh. with Curly Neal. We did a little pregame stuff, you know, whether it be horse or, you know, special dribbling things or yeah. whatever. You know, of course right. he showed us up. And one time we ended up, well, what the heck was it? We got some people out of the crowd. We said, you'll win a prize and all you have to do is whistle Sweet Georgia Brown. 
Well, of course, these people are going, oh, God, I can do that. Oh, my God, this can be so easy. And before they, before they started the music, we handed them crackers and said, here, go ahead and eat these. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> now you got a whistle. Yeah, and nobody could do it. Yeah. So Curly Neal taught me how to spin a basketball on my finger. Uh-huh. And I can still do it. Uh-huh. And I taught it to my son. And he was at scout camp somewhere along the line. And, and they had some free time and they went over to the basketball court and all of a sudden he's spinning, you know, this basketball, of course they don't play basketball normally. So they'd never seen this side of him. Right. And they're going, what in the hell are you doing? How can you do that? The parents are freaking out. This is, are you, are you like a globetrotter? And he goes, funny, you should ask. Uh-huh. That's exactly where I sort of. And guess how know, I learned yeah, to two, do the same thing yeah, two from de- watching the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, two degrees away. So then the Meadowlark Lemon side. I was at Cubs spring training after I had gone to Cubs fantasy camp, which would have been in 2013. Mm-hmm. So let's say this was 2015 or 16, something like that. And uh, Fergie Jenkins is there. He always has buddies that they will sell autographs, and all the money goes to his children's hospital in Canada. For, Fergie's from Canada. You're right. So he recognizes me because he was maybe four lockers away from me at fantasy camp. And he was very, very helpful, you know, because we all got Charlie horses and everything else. Right. Because, you know, we're just not ready for this. And we had to play two games a day for a week. So, you know, something was about to happen. And so he recognizes me and he goes, come here, I want you to meet somebody. And it was Meadowlark Lemon. And when Meadowlark shook my hand, his fingers went halfway <laughs> up my forearm. I he, believe it. He, because, you know, he was just the most massive hand person I think I'd ever been oh, around. Because he do all oh, this stuff. Oh, and... absolutely. He was palming the ball all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't shortly after that that he died, but we had the nicest talk, and it was just, it was really nice. What that, a treat. That, that, that Fergie pulled me out of the crowd and said, hey, come here, I want you to meet somebody. You got a Hall of Famer introducing you to a different Hall of Famer. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had uh, Lee Smith there. He had Andre Dawson. Bobby Denier, I think, was there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Gary Matthews, Matthews he mm-hmm. was there. And uh, Jody Davis, I oh, believe. Oh, my. So he had a string of people. And then I think the... Next two games, we went to a couple of games because my sister lives out there. It was over at the San Francisco Giants spring mm-hmm. training. Scottsdale. Yeah. yeah. And he was still there. Even though he's a Cub, he was still there. And he had George Foster from the Cincinnati Reds and Daryl Evans and Gaylord Perry. Wow. He, so he's got the network of people and he uses it. So that's amazing. Yeah, it was sort of cool. So uh, I would say more than sort of. Yeah. <laughs> you see, Holy cow. And, he, and he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Hey, there's a note that I've got here, and I don't know an easy way to get into it, but you told tidbits of these stories, I believe, when we were having lunch about Rick Lippincott. Right. Help me out with that weird connection and how it sort of came back to you just recently. For those of you that, that don't know who Rick Lippincott was he was the um he was kind of the final program director in the wls music radio days Mm -hmm. so from about 81 or 82 through 87 i think or 89 whatever it was so he programmed the am and the fm i hadn't thought about rick in a long time but i was listening to your interview with john strandon Mm -hmm. which was the thing that led me to 
connect with you in the first place. Mm -hmm. And John told a Rick Lippincott story about how Rick tried to get John fired from a station in Danville, Illinois. He did. Uh, (laughs) He did. And so that, and I hadn't heard or thought of Rick in years and years and years. So I thought, you know, again, late at night, nothing else to do. Hey, let me Google stalk Rick Lippincott. I wonder what ever became of Rick Lippincott. Well, so, so wait a minute. You're not on Facebook, no. but yet you Google stalk the crap out of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, all right it's, fine. It's, it's yeah. the researcher yeah, in you. It is the researcher in you. Yes, this is strictly research. It's all, that's all Un- it is. Yes, until is you a, show up at their house, then it's it, not research. It's all show prep oh. for that show that I'll never have. Oh, my God, that's great. Oh. Oh my so, God! <laughs> so, so anyway, so I find that Rick had quite the varied career after radio. He was um, VP of promotions for various record companies. Um, he became a commercial pilot. Oh, um, he did all sorts of interesting things. Well, he passed. Uh, I think it was seven years ago now, like 2015, 2016. And anyway, so I'm looking uh just looking at stuff and i see that his son had posted a celebration of life video on youtube um that i presume was played at the memorial service and so i thought well i'm not doing anything let me thumb through this a little bit and about two minutes in there's a snapshot of rick lippincott wearing a wrok t-shirt with the most awesome logo of all time the neon logo yeah late 70s yes and i'm like you got to be kidding me. Yeah. What's the connection? What? Yeah. yeah I, 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 why would this guy that was WLS have a WROK t-shirt on? So I thought, well, I'll, I'll tell you about it when, when I get to, to Rockford. And anyway, so then as I'm preparing uh, some tapes and stuff for coming back here and pulling out 45, 50-year-old reel-to-reel tapes, I come across a composite of WGBF in Evansville, which was the sister station. Yes. Right. WGBF, yes. WROK, WIB, no, WJBC in Bloomington, whatever the Bloomington station was, yeah. Illinois. But, you know, those were those were the three markets that Nolte Communications owned. Okay. Well, I worked at WGBF one fall while I was in college because I was at Indiana University about two hours up the road. So I worked weekend overnights. And I don't think I made this, but I picked up a, a WGBF composite which is basically, if you don't know what composite is, it's every day part of, of the day. It's like three, four breaks from each jock and you know, drop in some promotional stuff just so you can get a feel for what the station sounds like. Mm-hmm. So I come across this tape. I thought, oh, I'm going to digitize that for Tim. He's going to like that. And so I'm listening to it, and the midday guy is a guy named Dave Denver. And I said, well, let me go Google stock Dave Denver. I don't remember him, but I wonder just – Curious, whatever became of him? Because the afternoon guy I know, that was Gary Spears, went on to B96, oh. spent a lot of time at KLOS in Los Angeles. I listened to him all the time out there. Absolutely. Um, uh, the evening guy was a guy named uh, Don Geronimo. You may have heard of him. <laughs> you think? You think. <laughs> uh, the program director was a guy named Buddy Scott, who uh, <gasps> only went on to launch B96 and programmed it for years and years and years. Yes. Um, that station was on fire. It was hot. It was oh, hot. Oh, my God. And, and then there was me on weekends, and that, that was a <laughs> major step down. Um, but I thought, uh, I, was, I know what happened to those guys. I wonder what happened to Dave Denver, who I didn't really know because he was middays and I was a weekend overnights. You know, I didn't really know him. But So I look up and find that Dave Denver's real name was Rick Lippincott. What? I had no earthly clue I was working with this guy. 
and this is like two weeks ago I learned this. Absolutely never knew it. Whoa. And um, he had, uh, I come across this article on Radio and Records from 81 or 82 that said, Dave Denver, uh, you know, leaves WISN Milwaukee to go program WLS AM and FM. And I'm like, oh my God. Yes. And here's the thing that really blew me away. You know how old Rick Lippincott was when he got that job at WLS? No clue. 24. No. Yeah. He was born, he's one year older than me. He was born in 1957, and that was 1981. I did not know that about Rick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and you may not know this answer. Do you think that Rick was before or after John Guerin? He was I, after. He was after John? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rick was the last guy in the music radio. It was John Rook, and then it was John Guerin, and then it was Rick. Okay. And there might have been somebody else in between, I'm forgetting. But... And then they flipped it to the news talk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. This sort of falls into a category of having listened to WLS for so long, I just learned this, what, a year and a half ago whenever I got there, is that Tommy Edwards came to WLS from WABC. and when He, he came from WABC? He did. I thought he was in Boston. Well, this is, I'm, I'm reading his book. Oh, J.J. JJ, uh, Jeffrey, he was, he was the one that came from Boston. Yeah, so Tommy, when he came to WLS... He calls back to New York City and he goes, you know that music radio format that you have in New York? I think that would really work in Chicago. And so that's what they did. And it wasn't soon after that that Tommy Edwards hired Yvonne Daniels. Is that right? And I never knew that he was responsible for huh. bringing her to WLS. Another legend. Yes. She was the first female DJ there. Yes. When I went to this uh, thing, I said, well, you know what? I, you know, let me look in my tub of crap. And see if possibly I have anything of the people that are going to be there. And I could take my Sharpie and, you know, if I do a radio geek thing and ask for an autograph, okay, well and good. I found these promotional postcards from all the WLS people. And so I took Tommy Edwards in and I took John Landecker in. And they were very cordial and very chatty and, you know, signed and whatever. But then I also had music surveys mm -hmm. that a friend of mine, Mark Peabody, gave me that the people that that when he bought this stereo equipment, made him take the music surveys. And he goes, no, I just want the microphones. I just want the stereo <laughs> systems. He says, no, 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 you need to take it all. Because they just wanted to clear the place out. Right. And he never touched them since, and they're in mint condition. And so I took in uh, Larry Lujak and Chuck Buell and Chris Eric Stevens and those. And then I was able to get some of those that had... Illinois bands on the front of the surveys, mm -hmm. and now they will appear in the Illinois Museum of Rock and Roll History that is about to open up in Joliet. Oh, no kidding. Because they're in mint condition. And yeah. I, t I told Ron Romero, I said, I stumbled onto these from a friend. I said, I really need to pay that forward and get them in your hands, and you use them however you want to. I don't care how you use them. Right. And so I brought him the next time I was down there, and he goes, wow, these are in great condition. I said, yeah, this guy never never touched them. Put them in a drawer never touched them. Knew right where they were. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's nice that, you know, they're not necessarily in somebody's drawer anymore. Right. They're yeah. going to be out where people can enjoy them. They can, can be enjoyed. That's exactly. It. That's exactly. exactly it. Tell me about these music surveys, speaking of, that you brought, because this is a stack that's probably three inches tall. So WROK used to put out uh, surveys, the top 30, and the, you know, kind of bubbling under the top 30 mm -hmm. uh, every week. And it would have 
uh, some sort of promotional thing on it, and usually on the cover was a different DJ, and always in these different colors. So it's this multicolored rainbow of, of things. And they, Which they probably went into the printer and said, hey, what color do you have the most of? Yeah, yeah. Or, or want the least of. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and so this is literally every single survey WROK put out from 1974 to 1978. Are you basically kidding? while I worked there because they weren't doing it anymore by 79. I think they had stopped doing it. Oh um, my God. But, and, and a couple, so most of these were just sort of a, a one fold, but they, I have a couple of trifolds from the night from 1973. So those are 50 year old surveys. Wow. And they're in wonderful condition. Well, they've been sitting in a box for a really long time. I'm seeing Scott Wallace. Mark Elliott. Yep. Mark Larson. Rick Robinson. Oh mm. my God. Good the, friend of mine. The pipes on that guy. Yep. And he went on to become a state policeman in West Virginia. Then ended up going into um, like the whatever the communications liaison to the press because he had the oh. the broadcasting background and, and the ended pipes. up doing stuff on um, CNN and. Um, his wife's on TV in Cincinnati, and so he was doing stuff on WLW and all kinds wow. of stuff. And speaking of, here is overnight sensation Nick Scott, Nick Scott from 2 to 5. Let's see what year this is. This was January 13th of 1975. Yeah. Who do you think the number one artist was for that week? Thinking initially, without any hints, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, no, but she is number eight. Okay. Yep. With I Honestly Love You. This is, a, uh, yes. Mm. Wow, nice. Hey. This would be a brother and sister combo. Oh, would this be Donnie and Marie? No. Oh, the Carpenters. thank God. The Carpenters. Well, yeah. it was going to be one of the two. Karen Richard Carpenter, followed by Elton John, Styx, Barry Manilow, Carl Douglas. What was oh, the song? That'd that be Carl- Kung Fu Fighting. There you go. Yeah. One hit wonder. Yeah. 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 So I hold in my hand. The WROK 1440 survey with Marsha on on the cover. Marsha. Marsha was the receptionist who would hand out the prizes. <laughs> they put her on the survey? Who became Marsha Larson. Whoa. Mark's wife now of some 48 or so years. Does he know you have this? I haven't talked to Mark Larson in okay. 48 years. Uh, okay. All right. Just curious. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I, I, don't, I just lived up the road from him. But So this is uh, dated August 12th, 1973. Today is August 15th, 2023. So 50 years ago this week. Wow. The number one song. Up from number three last week. <laughs> boom, boom. Rising with a bullet. Live and Let Die by Wings. Oh, 50 my. years ago this week. Wow. With Brother Louie at number two, down from number one the prior week, which I always hated that song. Was it a story? Stories, good, good pull. Okay, all right. Um, medley of their hit. Um, <laughs> Delta Dawn by Helen Reddy oh, was man. number three. Yeah. At number four, up from number eight, Feeling Stronger Every Day, Chicago. Why did I think that was Boston? What was it? More than a feeling was more Boston. More than a feeling. Yes. Yeah, yes. which was five years later. Yeah. Four years later. Uh, and at number five... Touch Me in the Morning, Diana Ross. And the new music bubbling under the top 30. Uh, entering, oh, by the way, here's what was entering first time on the chart 
included at number 30 a song that was a moderate hit called China Grove by the Doobie Brothers. And just above it at number 29, Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. Wow. Entering the charts 50 years ago today. Wow. And uh, let's see, what was bubbling? Oh, and here's what was bubbling under. The new music included My Maria by B.W. Stevenson. Was that a one-hit wonder for him? It was. Okay. It is why I worked at WROK. What? Why? <laughs> this ought to be good. What? I know you were leading into something here. I actually actually had no idea that was on there. I was just scanning oh. through, and I thought, oh, well, that, that, that'll okay. work. Um, I mentioned the WKWL burned down. Yes. And that same week, I was I was into cycling some then, and okay. my uh, high school buddy and I lived. He lived just down Bell School Road from me. We decided to ride our bikes in from Bell School Road to Mississippi Park for some reason. I have no idea why, oh. but it was a good poke. That's a hike. And on the way back, he said, "Hey, let's." We're going along Guilford Road. He said, "Let's pop over here to WROK because I want an album," and it was <laughs> the B.W. Stevenson album. <gasps> Oh, and so we get there and it's like, it's like five thirty. the front door is locked. We ring the doorbell who comes out to open the door, but see David Hamilton. And my friend said, Oh, Hey, I, uh, I, I want an album, uh, blah, blah, blah. He said, okay, I'll hold on. I'll go back and I'll get it for you. And while he was back there, I'm like, because of these surveys, I said, that's Dave Hamilton. So he comes back out with the album for my friend. And I said, uh, you're Dave Hamilton, right? He said, yeah. I said, um, hi, uh, I'm John Sweisberger. I, uh, I was just working at WKWL. I wondered if you might have any kind of a job available. And he said, well, you need, a, you need an FCC license. It seems to be the, you know, the, the way to weed people out. And I said, well, I had one. <laughs> it's, it's charred at the moment. <laughs> and I'm getting a replacement, but yeah. I have a third-class endorsed license. <laughs> he said, oh, well, I need somebody to run the FM. You want to run the FM on Sundays? I said, Yes, sir. And you had probably no idea what that meant. I had no idea what that meant. I did not care. And so the so like three days later, I go in and and Lee Edwards, who was the oh sure was the music director for the AM and the program director for the FM, whatever that meant because it was all automated. He showed me how to work the machine and uh, said, "Come on in tomorrow." And and I worked uh, from one to five on Sunday afternoon, making a dollar ninety an hour. Wow. Uh, he sort of sat with me for about an hour. I said, yeah, you look like you know what you're doing. Good luck. <laughs> and left. Because <laughs> he was he was on the air on the AM side on Sunday afternoon. So he's just like, yeah, if there's a problem, come in and get me. But honestly, that was the equivalency of putting your face up against the glass. Yeah, totally. Because you could have grabbed that album for your buddy and walked out and never said anything to Dave. Uh-huh. We could have gotten there at a quarter to five instead of at 5.30, and Marsha would have said, oh, here's your album, and that would have been that. See you later. But she was gone. None of the sales guys came to answer the buzzer. He comes out, and it's the program director, and I got this job. And Lee Edwards was an amazing jock and teacher. And Carl's legendary. I mean, we're learning from the very best in the business in this little town. Yeah, It was unbelievable, the the talent that would come through that radio station. Yeah, and the nice part about it is it wasn't one generation one cluster of talent. It's not like, okay, this program director came in, he brought everybody from Cincinnati. It wasn't like that. That that cycle of talent went on for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Because you think about it, when you were back at the 
Mel Young era and Scott Wallace and John R.W. Whalen. And you just you just keep going, and all of a sudden the list is like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And then you do the whole Google search stock <laughs> thing, <Stalking. laughs> and then you go, look where these people went. Oh, yeah. And it's insane. That initial group that I worked with, Scott was in the morning. Dave did midday for like an hour or two or something like he that. He did an hour, they, 9 they to 10. 9 to 10. Yeah. And then... Um, you, you think he did that just to keep his finger in it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Because it's a little hard for a program director to sit back on a Friday afternoon with a cassette air check and tell you what to do and what not to do, where you have more respect and credibility in that program director if they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and he was not the greatest jock. No, but he was still but doing it. But he was it. the... He was a brilliant programmer and promotions oh, guy. Oh, my. my God. Yeah. But so Scott went on. He left uh, Rockford and went to Detroit. Okay. Eh, nice major market. <laughs> yeah. Better major market then than it is now, but still, yeah. nice yeah. major market. Still. Um, Dan Campbell, I think, did was on after Dave, but I'm not positive. No, Dan was doing overnights then. I don't remember who was doing middays. Mark Larson, afternoons, goes on to... B100 in San Diego and, you know, legendary there. Yep. KFMB for a long time. Yeah. In fact, you remember Cliff Albert from the newsroom? He worked with Mark at KFMB for a very long time. And now Mark Larson is still, I think he's on Kojo, K-O-G-O. Right. Um, he's, he's very uh, news talk. Mm-hmm. He's very political topic. Mm-hmm. He can hold his own. And that man has met everybody imaginable. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's insane. And a lot of times it has to do with aviation because he's a pilot. Right. So he has that draw of, you know, being attracted to go to these astronaut events and things of that sort. But he's hung out with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and this is way before he was governor and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Oh, so many people. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is sort of creepy, but every time somebody dies, I wait for two people to post a picture of when they were with that person— Whenever, whether it be last year or back in the day. Because you know they have been. You know they have. Mark Larson is one of them, and Tim Johnson is the other. And Tim Johnson was our marketing director at ROK on my second tour, and he went on to work at Fox 97 down there in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. which is a Disney-owned station. And then the last time I saw him, he was uh, events promotions director for six radio stations owned by CBS, owned and operated in Houston. So he had a full table. Mm-hmm. But my <laughs> I guess. God, the number of people that he has seen is insane. Yeah. Like just recently, Tina Turner died. Right. And Pee Wee Herman. And there was another third one. And I'm going, oh my God, there's no way he's got this trifecta because they're just two. Tony Bennett. That was the other one. Right. Completely, totally separate. You know, I mean, they had Whole no, different worlds. no connection whatsoever. And then there's Tim right there in the middle of them. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. But he's a promotions guy. He's at the events. He makes these things happen. And, um, you know, he's just a really good uh, photo bomber. <laughs> yeah, apparently. How'd you like to ask that? You know, we're, we're interviewing you about your life. Uh, tell me about anybody famous you may have met. <laughs> Yes. How many hours do you have? Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. Well, you know, there's a guy that was a part-timer on WZOK that actually won a contest to become an employee. You're kidding. No, his name is Don Kay. His real name is Don Kronberg. And we had him in here. And he's a great storyteller. 
And he said, well, if you ever want to uh, do an episode on the road for your life's 3x5s episode, please take advantage of coming to my office in Palatine. He has been a concert promoter for 33 years. So we walk in and there's guitars and posters and records and drumsticks and flutes and everything you could possibly imagine. Honestly, God, I don't care who you would mention, it's in his mm-hmm. repertoire of what anywhere from Jerry Seinfeld and Carrot Top to Tony Bennett and Rick Nielsen at Cheap Trick. Okay. Yes. It's a wide range. So when we sat down and we started this, I says, Hey Don, I said, I you know, I don't know which direction we're gonna go with this conversation, but you know, if we take a lull, can I just point to something on the wall and you'd be able to give me a story? And he goes, Oh, absolutely. In fact, here's a book, and it was this three inch book of black and white eight by tens, you know, your publicity shots Mm -hmm. from the bands or the artists or whatever. And of course he's promoting them. He's backstage with them. So they're signed. And he goes, just flip through that book. So we hit a lull and I flip open the book and I go, tell me about Ann Murray. Tell me about Kenny Loggins. Tell me about Kenny Rogers. I mean, I just kept flipping and stories. Boom, 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 boom. It was so much fun. Because, Sounds incredible. Because you knew everybody he talked about, mm-hmm. but you didn't know that little twist to them. Right. Yes. And he's a great storyteller. So anyway, Life's 3 by 5s If you look up the uh, Don Kronberg episode, it went on a very long time because he has loads of stories. <laughs> it sounds that way. Loads of stories. Wow. So tell me, as we finish up here, what have you been doing since radio? So I left WROK in 1979, uh, finished up college at Indiana and did radio for a couple more years after that uh, up in Grand Rapids at WGRD and then down in Louisville at KJ100. Oh. And then um, walked away from radio in June of 1982 and went and got my MBA at Northwestern and decided it was time to settle down and get a real job that didn't make me move everywhere <laughs> and paid better than $15,000 a year, which was my top salary. <laughs> Whew. I was living large. Woo-woo. Yeah. I uh, got me a 1978 Trans Am with that. Man, that was hot. Um, cut my hair. But you've got a lot of free meals. you got a lot of free albums. Come on. I did there's, do that. There's fringy Absolutely. I got stuff. a lot of friends. Yes. And I got a lot of hair, but most of that's gone now. Okay. Um, and it's a whole different color. Ended up meeting my wife coming out of grad school. I interviewed for her old job, interviewed with her, and slept my way to the top. So that worked out great. Um we got married, had our uh, daughter right away, and then another daughter, and then a son, and moved out to Los Angeles in between daughter one and daughter two. To do what? Uh, so she finished up her MBA at Northwestern and uh, started working in management consulting for what was then Touche Ross and now Deloitte and Touche. Hmm. And uh, I started in management consulting as well for a strategy firm called AT Carney, which oddly enough was based in Chicago. But I was working in Los Angeles and ultimately around the world with them. So I'd been in consulting now for 36 years. Um, spent eight years with them, went to Price Waterhouse, became a partner there uh, in their consulting business. Um, went to a Fortune 150 company, ran their Pacific region, and then I got recruited to be CEO of an accounting firm in L.A. The one thing I knew I would not do when I left college was ever work in an accounting firm. Um, Don't say never. uh, Well, I shouldn't have. So, uh, yeah, they recruited me as far as anybody could ever figure out. I was the first non-CPA, non-accountant to be CEO of an accounting firm. And uh, 
few years later, I merged that into the firm that I'm with now, which is Armenino, uh, which is, uh, I think we're the 18th largest accounting firm in the country. And I run their national outsourcing business. So wow, got a couple hundred people that work for me and I stay very, very, very busy. That's crazy. Aren't you close to retirement? In my head, <laughs> uh, I've got a couple more years to go. Um, the, the firm knows that December thirty first, twenty twenty five, is is my oh. my sayonara day. Okay, and uh, I so will... you do have a calendar like in prison with the X's on it. Okay, it, yes, it okay. is. It is two years, four months, and sixteen days, but I'm not counting. Um, and then I will ride off to the sunset with my beautiful bride of nearly forty years, and oh. we will. Uh, I will do a lot of photography. Um, uh, there's a couple of books that I want to write. There's a screenplay I want to write. Uh, I've been coaching high school basketball for most of the last 15 years. I want to get back into that because with what I'm doing now, I'm just too busy to be able to, to do that. So I want to get back into coaching. and Wow. We'll see what, all el- what else happens. Well, and I'll tell you, that is the way that retirement should work for 99% of the people unless you've fallen down and you broke something you should have that box of stuff that you want to do. And then the minute that December 31st, 2025 comes along, you go, okay, let's just pick something. And you go, yep. all right, I'm going to write a book first. Mm-hmm. And then I'll coach after I'm done with the book. And whatever the case may be, there's one thing that was pulled out of that, that I'm pulling out of that, is you said you want to screenwrite, uh, was it a movie or a play? A movie, yeah. Where's that coming from? <laughs> Were you involved in the movie business, or is it just no? Being well, in Los actually, Angeles? I mean, I did, I did work um, when I was at Price Waterhouse. I was the global client partner for Sony Pictures for Price Waterhouse, so I was on studio lot for several years. So I didn't, I wouldn't say I worked in the movie business, but I was sort of touching it. Were you ever in a movie? Um, no, no. No. Not, not an extra or anything like that? Mm. Okay. I'm right. um, just curious. Because no. usually there's something like that that makes people have the bug. No, I don't have the bug. I didn't have the bug until I had a client uh, about five years ago in Dallas that I ended up, uh, it was a law firm that I was, I was brought in to be their interim chief operating officer for two months to clean the place up a little bit. And four years later, that engagement finally ended. I I did it for the first two years. Whoa. The stories, uh, you just have to wait for the screenplay, but did you ever see Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. Yeah, well, this would be... Oh, the real life. Maybe a little more than. Oh, no. The stories, and I mean, I was deep in all of it. And you got scars to show it. Uh, well, I was cleaning it all up. Yeah, uh, Along with still. the executor of the estate, uh, which wow. tell, tells you where the story starts. <laughs> yeah, wow. So um, there, is a, there is a complete movie in, in the, the amazing history of this law firm and the individuals associated with it that I absolutely will protect, uh, change the names to protect the innocent. Um, that's about it, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I can even work all of it into uh, a two hour movie, but that's, that's the screenplay that I want to write. So do you honestly have it in your head? Let's, let's say for instance, you wrote this thing in two months and it's, it's in real time, which we know this is not going to happen, but I'm just saying, right. right. right and you were able to squeeze it all in, do you have it in your head as you think you're going to write this as to who's going to play it? 
No, I hadn't. Okay. I hadn't thought. I just want to get the story down. Yeah, I'm just the stories. Curious. There's yeah. so many. I'm yeah. just trying to weave them together, but it's wow. it's an incredible story. <laughs> it really is. Wow. It was. Uh, it was. Let's just say probably the most memorable engagement of my nearly 40 years in consulting. Wow. And you lived through it. I Oh, I absolutely lived through it. Wow. Some other people didn't, but I did. <laughs> and that's the story. And, there, and that's the rest of the story. That is hilarious. <laughs> wow. Well, I'll tell you what. This has been really enlightening because I, I had no idea that there was this many things connecting total strangers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so bizarre. I wish this for other people. And, you know, granted, if you worked in the hotel industry, if you worked in the accounting firm, if you worked in the police department, there are things like this that certainly could either exist or could happen. Somebody needs to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I wish that, that people would do more. Or if you can't pick up the phone, at least Google stalk them. Yeah, give me a call. I'm really good at it. <laughs> oh, that's another retirement thing. That's right. Wow. Yeah, you can reach me. My, my email is googlestalker at gmail.com. Wow, that hasn't been used before. Now has it? No, never. Wow. John, thank you so much for coming <laughs> thank in. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat and a joy. Good. I'm glad we connected with all of our radio buddies today for lunch, and I'm I'm glad you have family to come back to in Rockford. It's great. I'm glad I still have family to come back to in yeah. Rockford, too. I like so, having my mom around. So your next trip, we'll do it again. You got it. All right. Take care. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Storyteller's Studio in celebration of WROK Radio's 100th year in broadcasting. I've got good news and bad news in the weather forecast tonight. The good news is they took the snow out of the forecast. And the bad news is that's not good news if you're into skiing or stamp collecting. Home Builders Association. And the 1979 Parade of Homes starts this Saturday and runs through Sunday, October 28th. Well, it's kind of a rainy night in Rockford, so we won't get much of a tequila sunrise in the morning. But you can get the tequila sunrise of your dreams every Sunday night at Maggie's Pub in the Sunday Night Party. All tequila sunrises with every other drink in the house are just 75 cents starting at 6 live on WROK. It's WROK. With the Eagles, and it's just another tequila sunrise with Chris Kelly at 10.53. And coming up after Pat Ryan in the news, I've got more Eagles, their latest heartache tonight. Some other superstar music, including Sticks with Babe and Tusk from Fleetwood Mac, and a whole lot more of the best music in Rockford, so you keep it right here. This is Kathy. The next time you're traveling down the Ventura Highway, or even if you're only in Belvedere or traveling down the Lincoln Highway, wherever you are, you're bound to be seeing a lot of Phase 2 WROK bumper stickers. Join the crowd. Pick one up at Ezra Pharmacy, Liquor.
Wonderland, the Ski Rack, or Columbia Audio and Video, and then get ready to win with ROK. W-R-O-K. Chris Kelly at 1042. The Weather Service says fair and 25 tonight. I say wrong. There's going to be a heartache tonight. Oh, clever. W-R-O-K with the meaningful social commentary of Mr. Michael Jackson. And don't stop till you get enough. If you can count the number of times that they sing those words, you will win a five-year supply of Michael Jackson records. Second prize is a lifetime supply of his records. 1440 W-R-O-K and Chris Kelly 1149. Well... I must say, you people do take me seriously. I'm not quite sure why, but you do. You might thought I was serious about that last thing with Michael Jackson. But no! I wasn't. Chris Kelly! Yes, I'm not! WROK Rockford, Illinois, under the direction of P.D. Dave Hamilton, has gained a nationwide reputation in regard to the quality of their programming efforts. Located less than 100 miles from Chicago, Madison, and Milwaukee, this competitive market finds WROK number one in teens and total adults. Probably the one thing we do better than most stations our size is get response. Mm -hmm. If the uh, announcer's reading a public service announcement or a commercial or something about a promotion, we want the audience to react by either doing, listening longer, or buying. Oh, well, then you would say A that... contemporary format is programmed 24 hours a day, with strong emphasis placed on local news and consistent promotion. We constantly provide a reason for the audience to listen. How's that? Well, it's uh, one thing to program good promotions during ratings, but I do think it's important for the station to carry consistent promotions year-round to establish uh, the image of sounding fresh and exciting. Uh, about how many stations... WROK Air Personalities. More than just words. I look for the uh, type of announcer that can take whatever I write on a piece of paper and make it sound real, <laughs> thereby motivating the audience to react. Most of the uh, announcers here have that quality. Rockford's number one radio station, a sound unequaled. These are a few of the things that I think are important, mm -hmm. and that's why uh, we think ROK is the number one secondary station in the nation in terms of ratings, revenue, and rock and roll. Oh, Wheels is next. Hey, my friend, have the old wheels. They're all over him every way he goes. He's here all over you with the news in just about two minutes. Here's Ann Murray, huh? 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 Good morning, Scott Wallace. Do you have a question for the world-famous answer man? Yes, I okay, do. Okay, what is the world-famous answer man's question, please? Why does Jules Gibbons have an ulcer? Why does he have an ulcer? Yes. Okay, after last year's Rose Bowl parade, Jules Gibbons took home one of the floats in a doggy bag. 8.30 with the Scott Wallace Show at 399-2237. <laughs> I got an album for you, hon. Hang on, please. I'll take all the information down. This is Brown Eyed Girl. This is Van Morrison. I'm Scott Wallace. All right, let me go to the phones. Good morning. Is this Ann Clark? Good morning. Good morning, yes, Ann Clark. How are you this morning? Uh, fine. Good morning. Thank Good morning. you. Good morning. Hold on. I'll tell you. I'll just hold on now. Good morning, Scott Wallace. Good morning, Bill. Yes, Scott, say good morning to Ann. Hi, Ann. How are you? Good morning, Bill. Ann, no, that's Scott. You oh, say hi to Scott. Scott. <laughs> Hi, Scott. 
How are you, Annie? I'm fine, thank you. I'd like you to be the Scott Wallace working gal for the day. Will you do it? Oh, I would love to be. Beautiful. Are you originally from Rockford? No. Where are you from, huh? Maine. Maine? Right. Hey, that's pretty close to my hometown of Betcove, Long Island. Oh, that's real close. You know why? No. Yeah, I used to live there as a child. My father was a fisher, my oh. mother was a netter, and my sister was a hooker. Scotty Waddy Doodle! <laughs> Congratulations, Ann. Bless you, 18 before 7 o'clock, 18 away from 7. <laughs> you got a call from me? Yeah, get over here quickly. That's all right, let me go to my phone lines here. Good morning, this is... This is the Guido, 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 Guido. Sounds like you stayed up too long last night. I told you not to call me while I'm working. Well, I had to call you until you give up your socks over here. Ah, uh, you're not supposed to do that, but not on the air. Nobody can hear us. What? Let's cover it up. Why don't you ask me a question? Okay. I want to know what you're going to do for excitement here in this weekend. You know what I'm going to do this weekend, don't you? Yeah, but you're not supposed to say that over the air. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I thought maybe actually what I'm going to do is I'm, of course, going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to enjoy my Friday night making the rounds, you know, the nightclubs in the area. And then on Saturday, I'm going to go back to my old school for a reunion. I understand that in my honor, the eighth graders are going to mug a sixth grader and present me with his lunch money. W-R-O-K. Hello, America. Dan Campbell at 10.05. Complain, complain. WROK with another $1,000 in prizes. You win simply by being in the right place at the right time. More details later on this week. Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, you can win bad company and the best of bread LPs all weekend if you keep it right here. WROK, Dan Campbell, 1152. How do you like it? you touch me with your fancy fingers? Woo! In the city. WROK! WROK's headlines are open at 399-2237 or 399-2238. Whichever number happens to turn you on. Actually, that set of numbers doesn't really turn me on. 382436 turns me on. I can get into that. A bride will search for the one gown that's going to be absolutely perfect for her wedding. Yes, she will. Yet a groom figures all he has to do well, is slip into any old tuxedo, slip into any and he's tuxedo. going to come out looking like a million. I'm going to shine, man. and Tom and James and Shondell's on you. WROK Rockford at 3.30, where you win introductory karate lessons all weekend, starting Friday night at 6, 1440. WROK, oh baby, homie, tighter, 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 that's enough. Uh, Mark Larson in the afternoon, 332, 1440. WROK with Mark Larson at 4.06. WROK's prize man carries cash and could award you a $10 bill if you've got a WROK bumper sticker on your car. Like, uh, that's why I, I really like running a sophisticated show, man. That kind of music, like, fire out in a wild 
dig it, uh, huh? Hey, don't you all okay? Uh, Mark Larson, boy 17. <laughs> A-B-B-A, Emma, ho, ho. W-R-X Surprise Man carries cash and could award you a $10 bill. You've got a W-R-O-K bumper sticker on your car. Pick up yours today at Century Drugs in the Rockton Avenue Shopping Center. Like a rolling stone. of uh, East High School. How you doing, man? Okay. Yeah, you've been trying for how long? A week. A week? You've been yeah. trying to get this contest for a week? Yeah. Wow, man. Well, you got it now. I hope you do something with it, okay? Yeah. For a pair of jeans from Stookies, which W Rock Jockey you going to rip off? Uh, Scott Wallace. Okay, let's try that. Hi, this is Scott Wallace. All right, this is Cleveland. <laughs> hey, Scott, hey, somebody hey. just ripped your jeans off. W-R-O-K. Mark. Yeah. You won. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, man. You stay right where you are on the telephone. I'll get your address. We'll send you a certificate, okay? Okay. More winners, more often. This is the place. W-R-O-K. W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-W-R-O-K. Where you can win streaker t-shirts. Well, you can be naked from the waist down. And Carpenter Solid Gold albums all weekend starting Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. 741 with Fred Robinson and Bad Company. WROK, where you can win streaker t-shirts and Carpenter Salad Gold albums all weekend starting Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock with the bad man Larson. 634, I'm Rick Robinson. I love this girl so much I gotta whisper her name. Angie. I'm Rick Rock and Roll Robinson. Life is a rock with the radio. Roll me. Reunion. WROK, giving away another thousand dollars in prizes. Complete details later this week. Oh! Ha ha! 7-12 with Rick Robinson. I'm a pull my skin tight right now on the radio! Yeah! Wow! Wow! W-R-O-K with Rick Robinson. Sister, could you put down your rosaries, please? Thank you. Janet Page. W-R-O-K. Where you can count up to $1,000 in prices if you're counted when it counts. More details later on this week. 9.43 with Rick Robinson. Baby, I really get into this record now. Singing Wolf Bad Jack. Dr. John. Right place at the wrong time. Baby. W-R-O-K. 535, and I'm taking color 10 now. 399 2237 to win a copy of BTO's Not Fragile Album. W-R-O-K congratulating Doug King. Doug ripped me off for a copy of the BTO Not Fragile Album. And your chance to rip me off in minutes. Lee Edwards, 538. We're the temptations that I can't get next to you. Oh, W-R-O-K. 626. Play Edwards. What a group that got back together in South Bennett and Everbaby. John Kane, Steppenwolf. Ah! 
smoking, baby. It's 7.04 on a Sunday night, and I have Elton John from Caribou. WROK, where sometime this hour, you get a chance to win Carol King's Wraparound Joy album and the BTO Not Fragile album. That happens sometime this hour, so you keep it right here, Mama. WROK, 7.43, Lee Edwards smoking in the nighttime. Come on. Gonna rock and roll with Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin 2 and a whole lot of love. You need to cool it. W.